1: Today's episode of the Chase Tumas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta awards, both in 2017 and 2018. So... If you're in the Metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did. I promise. Panko Chicken, where it eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast, the Chase Thomas Podcast. <laughs> um, My nephew needs me to record. See, I
0: hate. I already hate it. I hate it.
1: All right, welcome back to a Wednesday night edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I now have Scott Rafferty, old friend of the pod, in chilly, chilly Charlotte, North Carolina, where the NBA media, NBA conglomerate, invaded his home turf over the past week. And Scott, I need to know, how was uh, All-Star Weekend?
0: First of all, great to be back on the show. It's been a while. I'm sorry. Uh, but thank you for having me. All-Star weekend was a lot of fun, man. It was my uh, first All-Star weekend. I didn't know quite what to expect. Um, it was absolute mayhem. There were uh, 10 times the amount of media that I thought would be here. Um, but it, it was fun, man. I enjoyed Saturday night the most, the three-point contest and dunk contest. Um, but it, it was just it was just a good weekend, just a fun weekend celebrating basketball and everything.
1: So... Is it celebrating basketball? Because um, I don't qualify uh, the All-Star Game as basketball. I I don't know what to call it, but we need to think of a new name.
0: See, the thing is, like, I I don't usually enjoy the All-Star Weekend and the All-Star Game and everything. But I will say, being there in person, I feel like you get swept up into it a little bit more. And, like, the Sunday game wasn't great still. I wasn't, like, particularly thrilled when I was watching the game the whole entire time. But I still had fun overall on the weekend. Okay. So Saturday, Saturday was like genuinely fun.
1: Why? What happened on Saturday?
0: The three-point contest was actually good. Oh, you're talking about like um, the I actual
1: like, stuff, like Joe yeah, Harris yeah, yeah, winning like the, the three-point like contest. The you were losing best. it. Yeah, you're like, yeah. Joe Harris, biggest fan right here. Scott Rafferty. Joe
0: Harris, Jeff Curry being back in his hometown. Doug <laughs> actually completing every single rack. I thought he was only going to get about halfway through.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, skills challenge was kind of fun too, because my guy Jokic was in the. Um, and I know the dunk contest, people generally weren't that excited about it. The dunk over Shaq was insane. Um, and that Dennis Smith dunk over J-Paul was fun, too. So I think overall, thumbs up from me. Again, the Sunday events, I could take or leave it. The Saturday was fun.
1: Can I tell you how much of the All-Star Weekend that I actually watched?
0: Can I, can I guess and, and say zero?
1: <laughs> it, you are correct, sir. Absolutely zero. <laughs> it was great. I didn't watch anything, but I was listening to some other pods. And they, people are getting feisty. Like I was listening to the basketball buds or uh, my commute this morning and they got in like a heated conversation about fixing the all-star game and all this, And I, I'm just like, "That's what a waste of breath. What are we doing? I don't care. Like I just, why are people getting upset and worried about anything going on with the exhibition games and just this whole weekend? It's just, it's not like do people even no one gets this upset about the pro bowl or anything like that anymore like it doesn't matter i i just i'm not gonna ever watch it again that's my plan is to never watch any of all-star weekend any of that it's not for me it uh it's it's not like i was watching something significantly better because i was watching wwe elimination chamber which i know you were streaming on your phone as uh the all-star game i I can only imagine but um It's just, I don't don't care. Like, it's really hard. I hate preseason sports. I hate exhibition stuff. The, like, I just, I don't care. Sports need stakes, and there's no stakes, and it doesn't matter, and it doesn't pertain to me, and it doesn't interest me at all. And I will never watch it ever again. I'm done. I haven't watched it in years, and I will never go back, and it feels great. I just listen to people complain about the All Star game, and I just, I can't fathom as to why, because the answer is it's very easy. It's a don't watch it, because it, it's probably not for you. If you host a basketball podcast, you don't need to watch the All Star game because you like the it's just not for you. It's for the people that don't tune in and are like, hey, you know who's who gets buckets? Michael Beasley. That's who the All Star game is for. The people that think Michael Beasley's still a good NBA player. Nick Young should be back in the league. That's who it's for.
0: I I, I get it. I do. Because generally that's how I felt about it in the past. I will just say like being there, I think I think you like, like when you look there and you experience it like you do get swept up in a little bit into the point where you like you're very aware that it's not a game and it's just like a collection of people and there's all these celebrities around and everything like that. So like it it just feels a little bit different. But like I'm I'm generally on the same page that the All Star Game. All Star Weekend is, is usually not my thing. So I get it.
1: Yeah. Well I don't want to share the All Star like, game anymore. Go, yeah. Yeah,
0: and as far as like conversations go about fixing it, like there is no fix. Right.
1: You know what I
0: mean? Like like there's no way to make the All Star game significantly more competitive like it is always going to be what it is um, so I don't think you know expecting it to be anything different like that's, that's just not going to
1: happen I mean you can go super draconian and fix it and be like you uh, you you owe the the NBA 250 like th- not even 250 thousand that's probably a drop in the bucket for these guys because they're all all-stars so like, most of them are making <laughs> pretty good money be like you're losing two-thirds of your salary the losing team loses two-thirds of that year's salary It'd be insane, it'd be a bloodbath, but uh that's how you fix it. Like you go super jaconian and awful. Um, I'm obviously not advocating for that, but that's outside outside of something insane, you're not fixing it, is I, I guess my point.
0: Yeah, I I don't think that nothing nothing drastic is gonna
1: happen, I don't think. Yeah. Um But we can move on. That's all I'm giving to the All-Star Game. But I felt like if I'm going to host an NBA podcast, I have to at least mention it in some sort of fashion, which is a little hypocritical considering with the rant I just went on two minutes ago. But that is what I am. I'm a human being and human beings are often uh, hypocritical. It's just our nature. Um, Now, post All-Star Break storylines, we were texting back and forth and I was thinking about some stuff that I wanted to get your opinion on. I wanted you to opine about and... The first thing I wanted to think about and just reading, just kind of getting ready for this next two months where business really picks up in the NBA is just like, what are some post-NBA all-star storylines that you are looking forward to as basketball games get started back on uh, Friday? Or is it Um, tomorrow? Do they come out tomorrow or Friday?
0: It's tomorrow. Okay. The Hawks play Friday. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the big one that this is not, you know, everyone's talking about this right now. Um, but just how the top 3 Eastern conference shakes out between um, the Bucs, the Raptors, the Celtics, and the 76ers. Um, both the Bucs and Raptors are kind of jostling for the number one seed. Um, the Bucs, I believe, have a one-game lead, but they also have the tiebreaker. Um, and then it's a little bit lower in the standings of 4-5, and five. you have the Celtics and 76ers. And then wedged in between them, you have the Indiana Pacers, who have played surprisingly well since Victor Oladipo went down um, with a season-ending knee injury. Um, I don't think that's going to last, but it would be (laughs) incredible if they end up having home court events in the first round of the playoffs and then we have one of these, you know, top, widely considered top four teams um, in the first round and an early exit for one of them. Um, But I'm just very intrigued to see kind of, you know, which of these teams separate themselves in the next uh, couple months. You know, three of the teams, the Celtics being the one that didn't, made big moves at the trade deadline, um, the Raptors got Marc Gasol, um, the Bucs got Miritich, and the 76 got Tobias Harris, so how those pieces kind of fit in, if they can make them significantly better. Um, so there's a lot of question marks going in Eastern Conference right now, and I am here to see how it all plays out.
1: So that's interesting. So I have part of what you just mentioned on my list here that I've written down, and it, it really is just the Raptors catching the Bucks because I think – that is huge for them. Um, home court just matters. And I understand, like, if you have LeBron James, that changes stuff. Like, LeBron could have been the eight seed in the East last year, and they probably would have gone to the NBA Finals. But unless you have somebody like that, um, home field matters. And especially when it's um, a wide open Eastern Conference. And it really is, I think, just down to those two. Anyone who wants to talk themselves into this depleted Sixers team that now is going to be without Joel Embiid for at least a week. Furkan, um is out for the year with a meniscus issue. Like they, they already had a depth issue, and it's significantly worse. I just don't think that that, like as great as that starting five is, they're going to be able to hold up over the course of. Of the NBA Eastern Conference playoffs. Like, that's just, it's not going to hold up. And then you have Kyrie Irving giving really bad interviews on the jump and just saying things and talking to KD and tunnels and all that kind of stuff. And uh, clearly, there's just so many different things going on there that I just, I can't talk myself into that group. But I will say, Scott, um, I talked to James Hollis last week about it. Um, I don't remember if you and I had talked before. I made it known that not only, I think we did talk about this, is that I banged this wooden table that the Toronto Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks would be the best team in the Eastern Conference this year before the season started over the summer and that Mike okay. Budenholzer would have the best record in the East. And I got a lot of shit for that of like the Celtics are going on 70 games and all stuff that You can't do it. And it's like, Budenholzer with the best player in the East, I just I don't know how they don't win a shit ton of games. They're going to shoot a lot of threes. They're not going to take any bad mid-range shots. They're just going to destroy teams in the regular season. That said, I don't believe in this team in the playoffs, and something that I just can't get over is, I mean, yeah, the Miritich stuff is good, Brooks been great, um, they have depth-ish, I still am not really a big fan of the Brogdon-Bledsoe closing backcourt, but we'll have to see how that goes come playoff time, and if boot and Holzer adjusts and only one of those guys plays in crunch time, I don't know, but... The Raptors are just the team that's most built for the playoffs. Like Gasol, if he can even be at this point in his career, like a poor man's Duncan from a couple of years ago, when that Spurs team, that last Kawhi run, where he was still a great passer and he was just a brick wall on defense and was still just, he did all the little things while also knowing his role and could play in crunch time and all that great stuff. If he can be that even close to what Duncan was that last year or two in San Antonio, that's huge for them because I love Surge, but if you have the opportunity to like either go Gasol or Surge, depending on the matchup, OG and Anobi's not even playing well this year. He's still adjusting, and I love OG. Like You might see a jump there. You look at Pascal Siakam. He's great. You look at Kawhi, who I don't think has pulled out the big guns yet. I think they are waiting and waiting. That's why he's not playing back-to-back. So that's why they're being very careful with him. He's still murdering people, like 10 points per 100 possessions better um, with him on the court than off. Like He is... He's huge for them. Like their offense just destroys people and their defense is solid with him. And then Danny Green and Kyle Lowry is going to shoot better. And they got Jeremy Lin in there and Fred Van Bleet will come back from his injury. Like they're deep and now they have a superstar. That's the difference they've always been deep, but now they have a superstar. And I trust their depth and their superstar come playoff time more than I trust the Bucks superstar and depth come playoff time. But I'll feel better if they can take the number one seed away from Milwaukee.
0: So the funny thing about all this is that I still think the Celtics are the the team to beat. Oh
1: god. Oh Scott, no, don't do this.
0: I really do. One hundred percent. One hundred percent think they're the team to beat.
1: Does Kyrie have to just come out and say I'm not coming back? Is that what it's gonna take for you to move on from Boston Island? Probably.
0: Look I and mean, the thing is like look, I, I love the Bucks and I think I'm on the same page as you in that like I, I this team is fantastic. They're incredible. Like a historically dominant team on both ends of the court, Giannis is a legit MVP candidate and might even win the award. He's probably the, he might even be the favorite at this point in the season. Um, but there's something about them, and I don't know if it's going to be one of those things like they're going to have to just you know go through go on a huge run in the first couple of rounds and just dominate their opponent for me to actually buy into them. Um, but as of now, like I'm not quite bought into them being a legit contender this season. Um, the Raptors, I, everything you said is correct. I do have some concerns about them though. One being Larry's health. Um he's basically been two different players this season. He started off like an MVP candidate himself. Um, and then he's he has got had a back injury and he's kind of fallen off. Um I worry about him and his production. I worry about the bench production because they are deep with the bench the second unit has really struggled this season. Um whether it's because, you know, Fred Van Blee has had to start with Larry being injured, um, or them just not having like another playmaker like Pascal Siakam the second unit. Um, so I, I do have some concerns there. And sure, like, the Celtics have been the most disappointing team out of that group. But for whatever reason, they basically suck against every other team in the NBA, except for those three Eastern Conference teams. And they just match up so well with each of them that I, I just, it's so hard for me to pick against them.
1: Historically, though, the Raptors have matched up pretty well with Boston, though, right?
0: They So they won, well, historically, I believe so. But this season, they won... Um, I could be wrong here. The Raptors won the first game, Uh and then they've dropped the two since. The second one, they lost in overtime in Boston. Um, Then they lost the one more recently in Boston because Kyrie went – actually, Kyrie's gone nuts in the fourth, basically, those two Mm -hmm. games. Um, And then there's one more game coming up in a couple weeks, I believe, that should be in Toronto. Um, I just – I don't know. Like, this this Celtics team, they've been so disappointed this season, but they they show up when it matters the most. Um and I just I, I just think I think they're terrifying. And I think the, the playoffs has to be super better. When the game slows down, um they have seven games, they have guys who who can create, you know, Kyrie particularly he can create um his own shot whenever they need to. Um and Holford's just a hell of a defender who can basically match up with anyone. Um and even though he doesn't score a lot, he's a good enough scorer on the other end of the court uh to kinda of give guys like Joel Embiid, like we saw last year, problems on, on defense. Um I still just think
1: that's terrifying. Terrifying. Um I think it comes down to what Gordon Hayward is post All break, because if you looked at his stats the last five games, he's shooting better. His threes are coming down. He shoot I think he shot like fifty percent from three over those last five. He's averaging like twenty five and five, something like that. Um, in that five game stretch. Like if he is starting to turn the corner and they're finally getting closer to if they have like 90% of what Gordon Hayward was in Utah that last year. Then you can talk me into maybe this team has the depth and the kind of firepower needed to take down a Toronto or a Milwaukee in a seven-game series. Because the other thing with Milwaukee, like Joe Prunty almost beat Brad Stevens last year just with uh, Giannis. Like, it was, it, I don't know. Like, I just, there's something off. And the Kyrie stuff doesn't help and him just trashing his team. like. I cannot wait for Kawhi Leonard to get on Jason Tatum. Like that is um that is gonna be very fun. Come playoff time because they can throw him at him, they can throw Ojin Anobi in that mix, they can throw Danny Green on Ky- Kyrie, they can they just they have so many different guys they can throw at whoever. And then Gasol and Horford, I mean, it's gonna be a very uh old man, big guy situation there. And those two will probably get into it a lot if that's the matchup that ends up happening. It just depends on the seating, but um, I don't know. I'm just. I'm not there with you. I think this Boston team is severely flawed, and uh, maybe Gordon Hayward has turned the corner, and that changes the trajectory of their their season. And he's playing in crunch time at the four next to them, and maybe Jalen Brown really starts to get back to who he was. But I don't know. I just don't like it. Bad juju. I. I,
0: I mean, I get it. Like they. They had again. They've been the most disappointing team out of those four in the East this season. Um, but again, like they just find a way to turn on against when it, when it matters the most. I also think, like you know, the Bucks' problems. Um, like I do think they have uh, problems down the stretch games because they are so reliant on Giannis and everything like that. Um, but it's a very similar thing with the Raptors. Like their crunch time offense this season has been so stagnant because basically up until this point, before they got Marcus and, and I think they're hoping that he can kind of change this. Um, but their, their crunch time offense is basically just be give it to Kawhi and then get out the way. I think
1: his usage rate... That's pretty good, like though. 40%. I like that idea. It, it <laughs> is,
0: but the, it's not like... I, I don't know in, in the playoffs against a team like, you know, in a seven-game series, if that's a reliable... I think enough so. Down the Who are they throwing at him? Marcus
1: through. Smart? Who Who's getting thrown but at Kyrie? Like, I mean, uh, Kawhi.
0: The, the thing is, like, with, with Kawhi... Kawhi's fantastic, by the way. I'm, I'm not... I don't want this to come across to me knocking him. Um, but his game, like, in those situations, is very much like dribble, 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 pull up from mid-range... And he's also not creating much offense for other people. Yeah. Right. So, like, I don't know if I trust that so much in a seven game series and whether or not, he can, like, he's not LeBron, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's what makes LeBron so special because at the end of those games, like, no matter what, you can just get in the ball and he's going to create good offense for himself or someone else. Like, Kawhi is not that player. And by the way, no one is that kind of player because LeBron is the only guy who can do that. um But I think, like, to this point of the season, that's what kind of worries me about the Raptors. Now, again, like, with Marcus, Gasol, he's a guy who can create his own shit on the post. He's one of the best passing senses in the NBA. Um, he's excellent from the elbows, which I think he's led the league in touches for to the last like four, five, six plus seasons or whatever. Um, so you know, maybe having someone like him who can play in crunch time, can create offense for himself and someone uh, for and someone else. Like maybe that's that's the solution. But obviously, we don't quite know yet about how he's going to fit in because I think he's only played what two? Is it two games? Two or three games? I think it's two.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I just can't do it. I, I'm, I'm not moving on for my Raptors are winning the title preseason prediction. I, I'm sticking by all of this. It, it's happening.
0: Part of me, too, I think, like, so we, we're, our main focus um, right now is on NBA Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so we watch every single Raptors game. We have someone covering every single Raptors game. Um, so we are like so deep into the Raptors that I think it's easier for us to um, kind of talk ourselves out of them. Um,
1: well, then I, I have know, a question like, I, for you. Can you explain to me yeah. why Norman Powell stole OG and Anobi's powers? What, what, what is I happening think, here? Can they both not be good at the same time?
0: I think it's honestly just been a rough season for OG. I think he's had um, some personal matches that he's dealt with that he's been away from the team for, uh, from. Yeah. Um, I also think just like like last season, his role, like he played against uh, alongside Kyle Larry and Bart Rosen. Uh, he was not a great shooter, but like he didn't really have to do much Outside of spot up in the corners and then maybe make a couple, you know, a couple plays off the dribble here now and then. Um, This season, it's like he's gone back to the second unit. No one is creating those shots really for him, and he's Mm -hmm. got to kind of do a little bit more to create. And I think it's just like all of those things tied together. um, It's just, I mean, he just hasn't. I mean, his numbers are fine this season when you look at him from last year, but it just doesn't feel like he's, you know, he hasn't kind made of like, the leap that you, you wanted to
1: see. It's kind of like Marcus Smart, where it's like he's just more valuable in the starting unit, where he's just more energized coming out. He looks better with that group, and just the better players who can help him facilitate and all that kind of stuff. But then again, you watch Summer League, and they were uh, they were trying, I think, to get him to the point where he could be like the lead ball handler for the second unit. and Because yeah. you have guys like Fred Van Fleet and Norman Powell and, Um, guys like that who can play off ball and he could distribute to them and he could drive and kick and all that kind of stuff because it looked like he, I mean, he can dribble, he can do stuff. It just, I don't, he's still super young and it's going to take time. But I mean, I thought Kawhi is like the perfect guy to bring in for him to just watch over and over again because, um, their frames are similar. Um, there's like, there is a lot of similarities. Like if you can get poor Kawhi Leonard out of Odin and Obi, just great. Um, but I will not quit OG Ananobi. It's just been a rocky, rocky sophomore season for him. Um, but I'm, I'm still very much in favor of OG Ananobi. Maybe that's the long term play. Is he gets inserted into the starting lineup um, at some point?
0: I the thing, the thing with the Raptors though is like I, I think so. One of the things they also need. Um, they just signed Jody Meeks, who is not the answer. I don't think. I think we're going to find that very soon because they're only <laughs> out a ten day Can he
1: move? Last um, time we saw Jody Meeks, he could I, not walk so uh, I have
0: no I have no clue
1: he's 31 by the way right would you assume Um, he's like 37 38 because I did and he's 31 years old somehow he's been in the NBA for 14 years minimum I don't know how he's only 31 years old
0: yeah I I don't know either but I think like so one of the problems with the Raptors too is that like that they are one of the more high volume three-point
1: shooting teams in the league
0: um but especially in games that they've lost like they just have not been able to shoot I think they have one of the worst um, three-point percentages and lost in the league this season. Um, so, like clearly they're trying to go after guys who can space the floor more for them. Marcus solves solved some of that problem because he can pick and pop and everything like that. I think over the last, I think it's two, maybe three years, only Brook Lopez has hit more threes as a center mm. um, than Marcus. Um, You know, Jeremy Lin can do that a little bit. He struggled this year um, with books before, before he joined the Raptors, but, like, historically he's been a capable three-point shooter. Um, but I think they're still like trying to look for that one more guy. Um, you know, Norman Powell is not like the most consistent shooter. OG isn't either. Um, so I-, I think they're still looking for that one dude.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I would. I have a question then. If they were able to get Mike Conley. And the Gasol deal as well. Would that have shifted you to, okay, yeah, this this Raptors team is going to do it? or Because it sounds like you're not all the way in on Kyle Lowry. Because I think he's actually shooting, what, like 31% from three this year? He's actually kind of struggling. He's jacking yeah. up more. He's just not hitting a lot of them. He still, it feels like he's hitting a lot because whenever you see a Raptor stuff, you'll see like Kyle Lowry with his pull-up three in transition, which he has just nailed. And it's just really fun to see because he's just so quick and he's so comfortable with it. But then you miss all the other ones that he's clanking off the rim. So um, it is interesting that he is not shooting well. A lot of that team is not shooting well, really.
0: Yeah, so his, like looking at his splits here, he averaged um, 18 and 11 Shooting 51 and 42 from three in October. Um, And then basically every single month since then, it dropped off. He's played well in February so far in only five games. But I mean, like in in December, for example, seven games in December, he shot 22.4% from three on seven three point attempts a game. He was up to 30.6% in January on 7.1 attempts. Like, it's just, he went through a really rough patch. And again, like, he started the season really well. He's basically putting up, like, Steve Nash MVP numbers. Um, in terms of efficiency and passing the ball and everything like that, he has been much better lately. Maybe it was the injury and he's kind of worked himself out of that. Um, but, you know, like this team, as, as incredible as Kawhi is, um, and, you know, he's, he's easily the best player on this team. Like they, they, they really need Lowry. He's like the heart and soul of it, um, of the Raptors and things like that. So I think if he can kind of get back to the play he was even last season or the start of this season, like that's going to be huge for him in the playoffs.
1: Would you like to guess how many threes Marcus Hall has missed since uh, becoming a Toronto Raptor? How I many he's missed? How do you don't remember him taking one? He's taken a couple, sir, and uh, really? he's missed exactly zero of them. Marcus Hall batting a thousand from deep. I think that's sustainable.
0: That is sustainable
1: for sure. Mm-hmm. Danny Green though, forty-two percent from three. He's just Mr. Consistent at age 31. Just like Danny Green and Jody Meeks are the same age, and there's no way that can be true. I d-
0: <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem right.
1: Oh, my God. That's not a thing. We're going to have to stop the podcast. Oh, Serge Ibaka, 25% from three this year. Not great.
0: So he's not. His three-point attempts are down to basically the lowest he's been since Oklahoma City, I believe. Because mm. um, he's taking a lot straight and shooting a lot more mid-range shots, and he's actually been one of the best mid-range shooters in the NBA. I think he's shooting, I checked today, I think he's shooting 50.1% on mid-range jumpers. Um, and not to get too into the numbers, but of guys who are taking at least two mid-range attempts per game, I think he ranks behind only four players in efficiency. And one of those guys is Kevin Durant. I think another one might be Al um, hmm. So he's, he, His two-point shooting has been terrible this season, but um, he's been absolutely money from uh, mid-range and almost pick and pop some stuff. Um, so he, Dwayne Deadman, provides-
1: I can give you some more uh, big guys who shoot a lot of threes and it doesn't make any sense. and They always look ugly. Um, Dwayne Dedman, uh batting a thousand, I believe, from the corner. Like I have not seen him miss a corner three all season. And the top of the key, like right in the middle, he can only shoot threes from the top of the key dead center or on the right left hand corner. If he pulls up from anywhere else, it's disgusting. Like I went every time he pulls up anywhere else, he'll get, he'll start feeling himself sometimes early in the first quarter. And you're like, okay, Dwayne Deadman, like you're not Joel Embiid. I need you to calm down. I, I need you to, I need you to chill out. I know you're trying to get paid and get onto a contender, but I, I need this to stop. Um, Which is another fun thing of, if you're watching a lot of Hawks games is uh, a new game that I like to play. Uh, how much can Torian Prince disrupt the, their free flowing offense, which is a fun thing uh, when he's in the starting lineup, because if you ever want to see a basketball player that does not know how to play with anyone else in the court, uh, go watch Torian Prince play with Trey Young, Kevin Herter, John Collins, and Dwayne Dedman, because those four know exactly how to play with each other, and there is um, a lot of chemistry there. And then you have Torian Prince just like dribbling around, stumbling, and it's it's not great. It's uh it's very Harrison Barnesy and Golden State with that group is is the closest comparison I can make, um, but. It's I, I just went down a really big rabbit hole with the Hawk stuff, but I never talk about it on this podcast. So I have to I bring the up the things from my notes. And I really like literally some of my game notes, I'll just be like, Oh, Torian Prince. <laughs> what is he doing? And it's it's one of my favorite things. He's just it, it doesn't work. And I I just I think about Bud and him losing his mind over Torian Prince just disrupting the offense and not knowing how to play within a free flowing scheme and all that kind of stuff. it's it's enjoyable. I'm sure
0: some of that's like, you know, Last season, he was uh, one of the centers of the offense and things like that. So I'm sure some of it's picking up bad habits, especially because, correct me if I'm wrong, he missed quite a lot of time this season. Um, Yes. And this is very much Trey Young and John Collins' team right now. Um, So kind of figuring out how he fits in there. And I don't know if he's going to be on the team in two years' time because of how he he fits in. He will not. I
1: will go ahead and tell you Um, that, uh,
0: Scott. There you go then. Yeah, he he will not.
1: Um, I hope DeAndre Brimbury though. I don't know how you feel about him, but I am... I might be the vice president of DeAndre Bembry uh, Island. He's shooting 28% from three, but that has to be a misprint because it feels like he's shooting 45,000% because DeAndre Bembry is so much fun. I love what he busts his ass and it feels like he's like Will Barton in waiting and I love Will Barton. So I just, I'm enjoying all of it. So I I refuse to sell my uh, DeAndre Bembry is actually good uh, take. So,
0: who do you have most talking right now? Langston Galloway or Benbry?
1: God, I love Langston Galloway. I know. I, that's
0: what I asked. This is, I, I thought this
1: would be a tough one for you. Benbry. Langston's getting old, man. It's, um, I, I just, I worry he's reaching that zone where teams are just refusing to make him their number two, gu- uh, point guard. Kind of like what Tomas Sanaransky is dealing with in Washington, where you never know when it's high. Lawson's going to pop up and destroy your playoff minutes. Um, <laughs> You just never know, and teams will never. Coaches just don't trust Galloway. They don't trust Sadoransky. They, um, I they I just people won't give him the chance. I, I understand Ish Smith is the second coming of um, Chris Paul and everything, so he has to get those backup point guard minutes in Detroit. There you but go. I I just I don't understand why uh, why is my guy and Galloway not uh, getting any any run?
0: I don't know, but Embry over him, huh? It's
1: tough. Galloway's not shooting well this year. He's shooting 32% from three. Yeah, that distance
0: seems kind of a mess, though.
1: That is being Just very generally. kind. That is being very, yeah. very kind. Well, they're a mess because uh they're they're so their starters are good. Like I went through all their different lineups the other day. And well also, shame on Ed Stefanski for ruining one of the all time great Blake Griffin years. Just I am, as you know, love Blake Griffin and everything about Blake Griffin's career renaissance and the adjustments he's made. And I feel like he's not getting enough credit at age 29, just becoming the kind of passer and shooter and everything. He's shooting 36% from three, and people are like, oh, is he taking that many? He's taking six a game.
0: Yeah, on, on like, pull-ups, too. It's not even just, like, he's taking a pop and everything. He's he's handling the ball. He's making his own perimeter and pulling up from that. Um, 26, a guy five. Who Just came in, Who came into the league and didn't shoot threes at all. Like, it's an incredible transformation.
1: Like, give... Uh... We can't get Blake Griffin MVP, but like this Pistons team without him and just what Andre Drummond has become, I, whatever, like Andre Drummond is just like Reggie Jackson's his point guard and Blake Griffin is just like, you know what? I'm going to fix all of this. We literally don't have any wings. We traded our only good shooting wing, Reggie Bullock, to the to the Lakers for nothing. Stanley Johnson is now in New Orleans purgatory. Like Luke Kennard took a step back this year. Um he's not Dwayne Casey's guy like he was SVG's. Like it's it's all bad. Um he's it doesn't matter. Like Blake Griffin just We need a new name for this award of like, obviously not MVP, but like, have you seen this guy? (laughs) I know it's a mouthful, but I I think that's, I can, I think I can push this and it can gain some traction. What do you think?
0: So Blake Griffin's your guy for that this year.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, obviously, we need to, I've already forgotten the name. Obviously not MVP, but have you seen this guy this year? That award is uh, what Blake Griffin gets.
0: So here's something that I've been thinking about lately a little bit. Um, Since we're getting down to the end of the season, All-NBA team selections. Um, It's going to be tough. The third team in particular is going to be a lot of tough decisions. And one of those decisions is going to be whether or not Blake Griffin makes it. Um, There's going to, like, even so. I was talking to to one of my colleagues in the office the other day because he asked questions, like, even, like, someone like Pascal Siakam, which, by the way, to a lot of people might just laugh that off to the suggestion that he might be able to make, like, an All-NBA third team. But, like, he actually has a case. Um, especially when you think about how important to, this, to a Raptors team that he's been that could potentially end with the number one seed um, in the Eastern Conference compared to someone like Blake who might not even make the playoffs. Um, you know, in saying that, I still think Blake probably gets it over him. I don't think that's, I don't think it's going to come down to that. But um, that just that third team in all NBA is it, just going to be insane.
1: Yeah, and it also just it complicates things because of how it, the positions are are worded and worked on that award ballot. Um, but no, uh, Blake Griffin uh, deserves uh, all because in- like if you put Pascal Siakam in Detroit this year, I, I think Detroit's an awful basketball team, and Pascal Siakam is not nearly as valuable. Like I like Pascal a lot, but part of what makes him so great is he's like the ultimate role player um, that everybody wants. Blake Griffin is literally putting this team on his back and like I am doing everything in my power to guide you to the freaking playoffs where we can get torched by Toronto or um, or Philly or Boston, whoever. Like that is, that is what Blake Griffin is on. Like Blake Griffin has taken that mantle. Like he does everything for that group. And I just, I don't think that's something Pascal Siakam would be able to do as the number one guy. Blake Griffin is the Pistons. And I just don't know if Pascal Siakam could do that. So
0: here's the thing, though, right? I totally agree with you. If you put Pascal Siakam in a situation where he has to be the number one option, like it's not, it's not going to work out nearly as well as it with Blake. Like, there's no, there's no question there. Um, but last time I checked, NBA on-off numbers, which aren't you know, they don't tell you absolutely everything. Um, but the Raptors this season have been outscored by about three points per 100 possessions when Siakam's on the bench, and they've been outscoring teams by 10 points per 100 possessions when he's on the court. Um, and this is a guy who's been, played in basically every single Raptors game. He logged heavy amount of minutes. Like he's so important to what they do on both ends of the court. And again, like it doesn't show up in the numbers that he puts up every night. Um but the impact he's making, like, I do think he has he has to be in the conversation. Again, whether or not he makes it, whether or not he's on the NBA thirteen, like he's probably not, but I think he's played well enough to actually be in the discussion, which is something. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting pretty deep here on, on things that I don't know if people care about No, I care <laughs> about them, Scott,
1: and we care about them. And I think people care about this stuff. People tune in to the Chase Thomas podcast so that they can hear what's going on with Blake Griffin and uh what's going on with Pascal Siakam and how they match up on and off numbers wise. I think that's that is what gets the people in here. It's what the your well, balls right are place. salivating for. Yeah, Um, But bringing it back to the storylines that we were talking about, uh, I believe an hour and a half ago, it seems like now, but (laughs) that's because I'm a professional and I keep things on target. Um, Another thing that I'm monitoring that I am very excited about is LeBron James missing the playoffs. Like, I'm rooting for it very heavily. Like, I don't know if this makes me a masochist or if this is not a healthy thing to root for, because I do like LeBron James. Uh, I just... It will be so much fun if this Lakers team misses the playoffs. Like, I am, from a fan standpoint, just seeing what happens if the Lakers miss the playoffs. I am 100% here for LeBron missing the playoffs after leaving the Cavs and being in the finals year after year after year to go to Los Angeles and then immediately miss the playoffs. I don't know how you don't root for that. It's going to be incredible. Like, the tweet that he's going to send out the Instagram post Is going to be incredible. I I am 100% here for all of the post LeBron missing the playoffs bloodbath that is going to follow.
0: He's not going to let it happen, though.
1: Do you believe that?
0: I, you know what? Like, I think I said this on this podcast before. Until LeBron gives me a reason to to bet against him, like, I'm not going to bet against him. And, like, this is, like, he, he's coming off an injury, right? The longest amount of the amount of games in his career, I believe it was. Um, there have been rumors that he is quite a bit heavier than he'd like to be at this point in the season. Which, by the way, like that's not a surprise because he had a, a groin injury and he couldn't, you know, probably work out in the way that he wanted to and everything. Um, so there's a number of reasons to believe that like he's not capable of putting this team on his back like he did like the Cavaliers last season, for example. Um, but even with all that in mind, I am not betting against him. I think they're gonna make it.
1: I mean, it comes down to how much you believe in Dave Yeager and uh, De'Aaron Fox and Bojan Bogdanovic and uh, Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley playing pretty well with that group and just Harrison Barnes being the difference maker. Like, I think from a basketball fan standpoint, I'm torn because like part of me wants to see the Kings in the playoffs again just because that fan base deserves a nice moment. Um, I don't want the Clippers in at all. That'd be a gigantic waste. And they get to keep their pick and it makes no sense for them to make playoffs. So I think they're going to continue spiraling back down. Um, and just miss it, but I, the Lakers like, does LeBron really want to get thrashed by the Golden State Warriors again in four games? Like, they're getting swept it, Like the 8 seed is the only thing they can get, and then the Warriors are basically locked in there and, Jesus, like, I God, we thought the Cavs series last year was bad. Just this Lakers team versus Golden State at full strength in the first round? Like ugh. I mean, I guess that from a fan standpoint would be fun too, LeBron, to just get destroyed in round one um, by the Warriors and he just can't escape them But it's like you chose to go to the West my guy And this is what happens The West is better Spoilers the Western Conference actually good um, Unless you're the Phoenix Suns Who refuses to uh, get a point guard At uh, yeah. just immediate Like I, I still can't believe that they don't have a point guard that's just – I kept waiting. And, like, you know what? Rick, I kept betting on Ricky Rubio being the guy to get moved over there, and just it never happened. So um, just absolutely insane. Uh, even Jeff Teague. Do something. Why is Brian Arakpo over there playing point guard? And he's a lefty, and he's super slow. And I watched the entire Hawks-Suns game a couple weeks ago, and I was just blown away by the point guard play and um, just – how that affects that group and just the weirdness of Josh Jackson doing whatever he wants on offense and playing point forward, sometimes shooting crazy threes, spinning and all that. Never mind, I can go down a son's rabbit hole. Essentially they're an insane watch and you should always watch the Phoenix Suns do a chance because it's very bizarre to watch in an NBA setting. But, um, I don't know. I'm torn. Like, do we want to see the Kings get roasted by the Warriors or do we want to see LeBron get roasted by the Warriors? So, what if the alternative is that LeBron and the
0: Lakers somehow get to the number 17 and play the Nuggets
1: in the first round? No! No, this is going to lead into something I want to talk about later, the Nuggets, because that <laughs> No, 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 okay, I'll no, no. away from it. No, I'll thank you. Away from it. Like, LeBron um, getting a chance at destroying Isaiah Thomas's playoff run? Absolutely not. No, thank you.
0: Okay, we'll, we'll stick to what we are saying before. Because I feel um, like I'd
1: pick the Lakers in a Nuggets series in round one. I cannot believe I'm saying that, but LeBron would take <laughs> it personally. The that's the thing. Like, I just,
0: I know, it, I just, I don't want to get a bet against LeBron if the league gives me a reason to. Like, I really don't. I, I think the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. Um, I don't know how they're going to do Like, it's going to be tough, even though I think they're only in a couple games behind the Kings in the standings or something, which doesn't sound this is much the first time LeBron's
1: um, been under five hundred uh after the All Star at the All Star break since like his first or second year in the NBA, I think.
0: That sounds about right. Um but they, they were the fourth seed in the West before he went down with injury, right? Like that's 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 one of the positives for the Lakers and it's probably kind of what they're talking themselves into at this point. Um but yeah, I mean they, they definitely do not want to play the Warriors in the first round because that would not go well. But I do think if they play another team um, Please don't say not, it again. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna say the Nuggets again. Even though I just, I'm not gonna say it. Um, I don't okay know. see I,
1: though, I'm 100 percent here for that. Russ going down to LeBron in the first round. That and LeBron getting revenge on Paul George for picking Russ over him. That, that I will sign up for. OKC okay, going down in the first round with Russ is one of my favorite NBA traditions. So yes, I'm, I'm here for that.
0: So, so you said you don't want LeBron to make the playoffs.
1: But no, now you I just talk
0: yourself into <laughs> then beating the Nuggets and all the Thunder in the first round if they
1: make it. Scott, I feel like you're not picking up on the fact that I uh, I changed my mind a lot, and I am a hypocrite. <laughs> You've been on this podcast long enough for you to okay. know that uh, I, I changed my mind. I'm very squirrely. I, I just ADD, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I talk myself into stuff. That said, I'd still prefer him not make it. But then again, if you're giving me the, the roadmap to the Oklahoma City Thunder losing in the first round again... I'm 100% here for it because I want that team to lose in the first round for as long as Russell Westbrook is in his prime. God, that sounds so, sounded why so you... mean. But I just I, I don't like the Thunder. I don't like it.
0: So I got another question. Where Where are you on the Paul George MVP love
1: right now? Oh, you know I'm a huge Paul George guy, but part of me is like, you don't deserve it for picking Russ. How dare you sign up with Russell Westbrook long term? What are you thinking, Paul but, George?
0: I think Russ deserves some credit for the season he's having, though. Right? Like he he, this is very much, this is very much Paul George's team now. Like I, no, sorry. It's still Russell Westbrook's team. Like he's the engine that drives them, but like Paul George is the number one option now. And Russell Westbrook has kind of willingly taken on that role of being like the one B on offense and everything like that. Um, and I still think like, I know triple doubles has been kind of a controversial topic over the last year because a lot of people are just like, eh, it's just round numbers and that's you know, that's not a big deal. But like what he's doing is absolutely incredible. Like averaging a triple double in the third straight season, he has gone what? 10 straight in a row, which is an NBA record. Like he still does so much in the game that matters. Um, the only problem is he can't shoot. And that is a big problem, obviously. But <laughs> yeah,
1: um, he, 24% he from three this year.
0: And it's something like, well, what's he shooting from the field? Isn't like 40, 40 one percent, forty-two percent, maybe even lower than that. I'm not. I can't remember. It
1: is forty-one percent from the field. Yeah, it's effective field yeah, goal percentage not, is forty-four. Not great.
0: It's not. It's not great. Um, but I still think that like it is so easy. I mean, I, I think it's easy to take a lot of things for granted, like LeBron and everything he's done, because we've seen him do it for so long. Um, but what what Russ does on a night-to-night basis and how he impacts the game in so many different areas, like I still think it's super impressive.
1: That's fair, but Paul George still picked the wrong place. Like, Paul George should have gone somewhere else. Like, there's just, there's a ceiling with playing with Russell Westbrook. Like, Kevin Durant felt it. Like, there's just, eventually he's going to find that point where he's like, this is not going to do anything. Like, they're capped out. They're already, this team is never going to go deep into the luxury tax. They're never going to be big spenders. Like, they're always going to have a, a weakness at the other guard spot there. Uh, Jeremy Grant's great. I love Jeremy Grant. Um, He's fantastic. But Steven Adams is cool, but they just there's no hope for them to make a serious Western Conference finals run or anything like that. I'm just I'm not a believer and I know Thunder fans are gonna get mad at me about this, but like I just think there is a cap on the way Russell Westbrook plays, especially as he gets older. He's 30 now. Like Paul George is still only 28 years old. He's in his prime, he's averaging like twenty-eight, eight, and five, something like that. He's shooting forty percent from three like Paul George, I just if I was him, I would have looked around the league this past offseason, I would have been like, where could I go? That would give me the easiest roadmap map back to the finals. Okay, Oklahoma City is not that. Like, you can even sell me on, like, yeah, it wouldn't have made sense for him to go to um, the Lakers with LeBron. Like, because there's still a lot of uncertainty there. I still think I would choose LeBron over uh, Russell Westbrook for the next four years. Um, uh, history says better choice to play with LeBron James than uh, Russell Westbrook, but that might be pretty big hot take um he could have gone back to indiana which is what i was rooting for which would have been the ultimate troll job to leave russ and saddle up with i Vigoro think we, Depot.
0: i think we talked about that yes um the last time and i was all about it but we all i mean we knew that wasn't gonna happen right like, no there was no way but he could have no he had back, the opportunity that would have been that would have been a fun option
1: God, i would so fun. the,
0: the funny thing about russ is that like i think generally um in the media he gets like attitude wise like he gets a bad rap like what the way he plays and everything like that, that a lot of people are just like, you know, why would you want to play with a guy who shoots as much? As he does And like forces, you know, the action, the way he does, but there's something about him that like plays seem to genuinely love playing with him. Um, and I think it's just because like the way he plays so hard, he's always in attack mode. He is unselfish. Um, you know, he does, again, he takes some bad shots, but like he's generally unselfish. He, 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 he's willing to get everyone else involved. Um, and by all it, like, every time you talk to a player, he sounds like a great teammate. And he, I just think he's so fascinating because he's not someone who, like, you can't see that so easily when you watch him on a night-to-night basis. But, like, guys like Paul Jones love playing with him. That was one of the reasons he wanted to stay in OKC, because um, he, he just established such a good relationship with Russ. Um, you hear that a lot with a lot of other guys. I think it was um, – it may have been Terrence Ferguson. Like, he was in a really bad shooting slump. Um, they came back from a road trip or something like that. Um, and he went straight to the gym. Russell Westbrook heard about him or something like that and went straight to the gym with him at, like, 2 a.m. in the morning or whatever it was. I don't know the story 100% correctly, but it's stuff like that, that like, that matches and that matches of players and everything like that. Um, all this is to say that Russell Westbrook is very confusing but a fascinating player.
1: I would agree. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about on the post-NBA trade tre- deadline or post-NBA uh, all-star storyline stuff is uh, I thought this was interesting with Memphis being, like, The interesting Conley's still there. But, like, they're planning to unleash Jaron Jackson. I'm interested to see just how much they use him and what his usage rate is like post all-star like what is the ceiling? Cause I have been so intrigued by what he can eventually be. And if he's a long-term five or like, is he someone who can be the number one option on a really good team? Is he going to be someone like they talked about, there was this great story in the commercial appeal a couple weeks ago, kind of highlighting that Conley pulled Jaron Jackson aside and said that he was going to be here for the next 12 years. As um, I forget who it was told him that before when Conley got drafted, that he was going to be a grizzly for a long time. And I wonder I, I feel like Hakeem Warwick told Mike Conley that when he was first drafted and stuff that he's gonna be Grizzly for, for a long time. But Jaron Jackson, I I wonder if he can get to like twenty something, if he can be like twenty five and nine and five or something like that in the sec in the in the post all star break. Like I'm just fascinated by what he what unleashing Jaron Jackson actually is, because I still don't have a firm handle on what he is.
0: By the way, like I think that, I think the Grizzlies took a lot of um, heat at the the deadline for not trading both of those guys and kind of going all into a rebuild. But, like, I get the idea of keeping Mike Conley because he does complement Jaron Jackson Jr. well. Um, like, I don't think Jaron Jackson Jr. is this guy, this guy right now that you can just give him the ball and be like, all right, go out there and score twenty points tonight." Like, he's just not that that player, and that's fine. He's nineteen years old; he's still quite raw. Um, but if you pair him with someone like Mike Conley, who's very capable of running his own offense and kind of setting up guys in a sweet spot and things like that, um, you can kind of open up more opportunities than Jack Jackson Jr. and obviously only helps with development, because he's going to be playing a better brand of basketball next to someone who is as accomplished as Mike Conley is. Um, I really like Jack Jackson Jr. and super hot on him. Um, I don't, similar to you by the sound of it, I don't quite know what kind of player he's going to be. Um, in five to ten years' time. But I do think he's going to be a problem on both ends of the court. Um, but, you know, the question for him is, like: can, is he going to be able to create offense for himself reliably enough um, to, to be, like, the number one option on offense?
1: That's what I want to see, though. And I'm glad they're going to let him do it. Not enough teams experiment like this. Just get weird. See what happens. You're going to lose a lot of games anyway. I mean, why let not? The offense I, like, him. yeah.
0: Yeah, that's the point. They're, they're not going to make the playoffs it's very clear. Um, even after that nice run at the start of the season. Like, there's just no way. Jan Jackson can include the future of the franchise, so you might as well just throw everything you can at him and see what he can handle. Um, and that also gives you a better idea of how you want to build around him because um, you can put him in different spots, see what he's capable of, see what he's more comfortable at um, and doing and then kind of filling
1: around him. Yeah. Um, we got to move on to your hometown team. That We're, okay. we're a couple months away from this becoming a reality, but the $40 million man, Kimba Walker, that is on the horizon. Michael Jordan is going to be faced with whether or not he should pay the greatest Charlotte Hornet of all time. It uh, is going to be a fascinating summer because Kimba uh, can get paid a lot of money. Um, yeah, let me check my notes here. Yes, uh, $40 million a year is a, uh, a lot. Uh, it's means, a lot of money. Yeah um and charlotte's gonna make the playoffs again they're like a couple games under 500 they're just in this bottom of the eastern conference playoff picture purgatory but you make the case you're like well what else can they really do the lottery was not kind to them they were one pick away from anthony davis and like just thinking about this team if they had anthony davis and Kemba instead of um mkg like how much we would just be enthralled by that pick and pop combo and everything like what that would look like um But then again, do you, like, do you, Mitch Kupchak is their GM now? Like, do we really know what he's going to do? Like, like, just, I, I don't know. Like, Rich Cho is not running this group anymore. And Kemba, like, in this group, like, they run things down the stretch. And I think he's part to blame for their closing minutes just not going well. Like, they're a very unlucky team in some aspects, but they lose a lot of close games. And that's just been a trend for years now. Clifford got, I think, the blame the first time and he's gone. And now it's the same kind of stuff with James Borrego and it's still not working. And they brought in Tony Parker and they uh, tried to trade for Marc Gasol and that fell apart. And Cody Zeller is just not the Cody Zeller he used to be a couple years ago with Kimba in the pick and roll where he was just murdering people. And I think Dwight Howard is to blame for that. I can't prove it, but I think Dwight, Dwight Howard stole Cody Zeller's uh, great pick and pop game and killed his, his spirit. How dare he? Um, I I don't know, but they're going to have to pay him. Um, maybe if they pay him, that magically makes Nick Batum not that bad anymore and healthy and spry and contract your Nick Batum. Who knows? I, I just I'm so fascinated by what Charlotte does with Kemba because I think you can make a fair case for paying him that money, doing the Joe Johnson kind of deal and just continue to ride this out until you really have to blow it up just because the lottery has just been so unkind to you. Or... You just let him walk, and you're like, "We just can't do this, man." We and letting that kind of asset walk for nothing, and then resetting again. I am enthralled by either avenue for them.
0: I think they're going to keep him. I, I think they're going to. I think they're just going to pay him whatever it takes, um, and then he's going to be a part of the team for the next five plus years. He's already, like you said, he's already the greatest one of all the time. I think he means a lot for this city. Um, you know, he's very clearly the best player on that team. There's no one that comes quite close to him. And the reality is that like, if you take him off of this team, like what is, what is the future of it? Um, Malik Monk's a nice player. Bridges looks like he's going to be a really good player, but none of those, neither of those guys are going to be stars. They have no one else who can kind of step up into that position. Um, and they're just, their salary sheet is loaded um, with not great contracts to guys like, um, you know, Bionbo is getting 17 million next year. Um, Marvin Williams is getting 15 million next year. I'm going to use 13 million. Um, So I just don't, they're in a very weird place, and they've kind of been in this place for the last few years. The difference now is that they're going to have to make a decision about whether or not they pay Kimball Walker, you know, $40 million a year and commit that much money to him. Um, But I I ultimately think for this team, they probably value being able to play 500 basketball with Kimball Walker as a star and making the playoffs every season rather than kind of going through a rebuild um, without a clear player to build around like the Grizzlies have right now in Sharon Jackson Jr. Um, and again, there's, like, there's not a lot of teams around the league that kind of have that piece they can very clearly build around. And we'll find out if Sharon Jackson Jr. is that kind of guy, you know, for the next few months of the season and the he to come and everything. Um, the Hornets don't have that right now.
1: <sighs> I'm with you. I think they do it, um, especially considering uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, what a bargain, buying the the Hornets when he did with, what, like 30 million cash on hand, and now they're valued at uh, some insane amount, so um, Michael Jordan, uh, getting more money. Who could have seen that coming? Um, I am interested though in what that means for the rest of their young guys because none of them have really hit outside of Kemba. Like, you talked about Malik Monk, but Jeremy Lamb's been the second leading scorer and has been just a better player and bit more valuable, and then you look at Um, MKG, who still is like a positive for them, but obviously at the number two spot, it's just, um, it's never going to be completely right. It's like slightly worse than what's going on with Justice Winslow in Miami. And then you have Frank Kaminsky, who's getting DMP CDs and, uh, that's obviously not gone well. So, and Cody Zeller, I mean, he was, I think number four overall. Like they just, you can, I understand why they're just like, you know what? It just didn't work for us like this we'll revisit that down the line but let's just keep making the playoffs for a while and establish that kind of identity that we're always in the playoffs and who knows maybe they'll clear up enough cap space once Batum's contract ends in 2074 they can find some intriguing <laughs> average guys around Kemba and they can have like a Mike Budenholzer Hawks kind of run where they, they finish at the top of the East one year and it's like, oh, they're fun. They win a lot of games. They have a lot of vets and they obviously can't win the the win at all, but they can uh, win a lot of regular season games and maybe that's something that they can get to. Who knows? Um, I would stay the course. I would pay Kemba. I would keep this going. I don't want Mitch Kupchak undertaking a rebuild for my team uh I also don't want him making trades or making basketball decisions in 2019 but that is not an option Uh, he is leading this thing um I I don't know I just I'm kind of surprised none of these guys have hit though aren't you is that a Kimba thing he just sucks up so much oxygen and he's such a high usage guy that it's just hard for guys like Malik Monk and MKG and Kaminsky and all these other guys to flourish when you have such a Good ball dominant player um, like Kemba, or is it just more the coaching staff? Like, why have none of these young players hit for them?
0: I I honestly don't know. Like I, I mean I I wasn't a big I've never been a big college guy so I didn't watch like a ton of Malik Monk coming out of college or anything or in his one year at Kentucky or whatever. Um, but like generally I didn't feel from what I read and from what I heard that he wasn't expected to be like this all star caliber player. Um, in the NBA and Miles Bridges is the same way. And that's not to say that these guys can't be, you know, super, um, you know, very, very like rotational players in the NBA and guys who contribute to a really good team. It's just like, there's not like, I mean, Donovan Mitchell went two picks later than Blake Monk. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if the Hornets had ended up with him and there's a lot of teams that passed up on Mitchell. So it's not just them, but, you know, if they had him right now, maybe that the Hornets would be in a situation would be like, you know, we could let Kemba Walker leave in free agency and let's just turn the team up with Donovan Mitchell. And even if we're bad for a couple more seasons, like at least he's going to bring in a crowd because, you know, he's this electrifying guy um, who can put a big scoring numbers. And then the hope is that in two or three years time when some of these salaries clear up our books, um, we've drafted a few players by then. We can add a few more players uh, in free agency. Like maybe that's when you go for it. Um, but it's, again, it's like, it's just, there's not, there's not someone that they can build around right now to kind of replace Kemba if they do let him walk. Yeah, I
1: don't know. I don't they, know if
0: that they, answered your question. But
1: <laughs> I don't think they know how to answer any of these questions either. That's why Charlotte is like four games under five hundred and are going to make the playoffs, and it's going to be very sad. Um, but who knows? They have good uniforms, and maybe that will be I'm, enough. I'm just,
0: I'm hoping they get. I'm, I'm hoping for a Raptors Hornets first round series, so we get the Raptors in town. Okay. Um, for at least two games. That's all, that's, no, you that's don't all deserve
1: the Raptors, cool. uh, Scott. Hey,
0: I'm, I still like the Raptors. I, no, I don't, I don't no, really,
1: no, I no, like... no. Mr. Boston <laughs> yeah. over here. You don't get to do that. You don't get to play both sides of the fence.
0: Okay, that's fair. I'll take, no. I'll take Boston two games. You don't games deserve either. them. I, you don't fair. deserve them. Yeah, you get Boston. <laughs> that's who you get.
1: <laughs> I'll take uh, it. I'll take it. Unbelievable. You want Toronto to come to your city. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hey, After still, what you I, said I, about I like Kyle Lowry and OG... And everybody, no. How dare you?
0: I was positive. I was positive about all those guys. I said Kyle Lowry, great start to the season. fell off a little bit in the middle. And he's back to playing good basketball again, and they need to do the good.
1: Sorry. Um, you called and, the Boston you know, Celtics OG? terrifying. Can't do it.
0: <laughs> hater, man. You're such a hater.
1: <laughs> can't do it. I want, I just, no. Can't do it. Um, the last thing I wanted to touch on, we talked about this team a little bit at the top of the show, the Denver Nuggets – I, I very much enjoy the Denver Nuggets. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for those fans. I like the way they play. I mean, you, you're Mr. Jokic, so I I know this is your your deal. Um, Part of me uh, is kind of worried about my own state of mind because I spent like an hour the other day thinking about if Isaiah Thomas coming back is going to be a huge detriment to the Nuggets because like Monte Morris has just been so good in that second unit and been such a good backup point guard that he's just going to get – uh, kind of pushed out and they're going to try Isaiah Thomas because he's the vet and everything else and it's just not going to work and it's going to throw a wrench into what they do and um, still like they need to get healthy in the guard spots anyway and like how does all this work and um, I think I was overthinking it eventually but I just I'm fascinated by how the number two seed unfolds because the Rockets I think still have a shot Like Capella's coming back. He's ready. Chris Paul is finally starting to, I think, turn the corner from the hamstring stuff, which I remember I read, I went back through this rabbit hole of like how sports doctors talk about hamstring injuries. And most, this was something from like 08, I want to say. It was like in the, the, one of the LA papers. I want to say the LA Times. I could be wrong. But there's this great piece like highlighting the severity of hamstring injuries in basketball players and why that's like a two-year injury. And we talk about the Achilles stuff now, just like being career killer, but like hamstring is something so difficult to fully come back from for a long time, especially when you have to play and you try to get back in that way. It's just really difficult. And Chris Paul is still working his way back and it's going to be hard. And I don't think he's washed. Like he is just coming back from a really bad basketball injury. And I, I don't know. I think they're going to do something on the buyout market. I think they're about to go on another streak. I could see it. And then you have OKC, who, I mean, their rotation, like I'm still not a big Dennis Schroeder guy, but Nerlens Noel, when he's on the floor for them, very huge positive. Terrence Ferguson is a plus guy for them. You have Russ, obviously. You have Andre Robertson, who might come back. You never know. Donovan said he could see him come back down the stretch. Uh, they just signed Markeith Morris. They have a lot of options. Are they going to be the team that steals a number two spot and are playing the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals? I am fascinated by which of those three get the number two seed because I think all three have a pretty good shot and whoever does end up getting it, I feel like it's going to be the Western Conference final representative against the Warriors.
0: Interesting, because I think think I'm pretty confident that the Nuggets are going to get the number two seed. Um, I think the Thunder have the, if they don't have the hardest remaining schedule in the NBA, they have one of the hardest. I think it's pretty road heavy. I haven't looked at it, to be honest with you. Um, but I that think sounds right because I know the they had a the really
1: way. really easy start to the season. Um,
0: yeah. A... I was gonna say I'm, I'm I'm about to pull up Tankathon right here to <laughs> uh, to see.
1: This is good podcasting, by the way.
0: I know, right? Just just a silence for, mm-hmm. for ten seconds. All right, yeah. Also in the City, according to Tankathon, have the the hardest remaining schedule. Um, Who's the easiest? The easiest is,
1: is the Raptors. Oh! Yeah. It's the Raptors. Um, Coming for that number one seed to clinch an NBA Finals berth, my Toronto <laughs> Raptors. What a day. Um,
0: Denver for Toronto have the fourth hardest. Um, fourth Interesting. Hardest schedule. They still play what about the Warriors Houston? twice. Um, they actually played the Thunder uh, at least two more times. So that, those are going to be some big games. Um, I don't know. I, I I think Denver's been in that one or two seed the whole the whole season long. I I I do feel confident they're going to get it. Um, you think they're going to make a? So you said that whoever's going to get them two seed is going to make a round of the Western Finals, then. Yes. So you 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 feel you feel like if Denver gets that spot, they could do it.
1: Yes. As long as they don't play LeBron in round one,
0: then then all bets are off. Yes. Because who would they play in the first round? Then you're talking about like the Spurs. The yeah, jazz. They're, they're
1: blowing out the Spurs. Spurs are not going to be able to score enough. Like that's not happening.
0: Yeah, that's not that's not a fun matchup for The Spurs. They don't want to get into a, an up and down game. The um, Jazz. I don't
1: think it score enough. We'll we'll see. I just I don't trust that Jazz team this year. There's just Donovan Mitchell's had a sophomore stuff. He's been better as of late, but I don't know. There's yes. just there's something about the Jazz that I d- I don't like this year as much. And then I don't think they'll get the Blazers. Who was the only other option? That's it, right?
0: Yeah, because the Rockets would be... You said the Blazers. Rockets would be the full...
1: Who is, Dude, are Rockets, we Blazers them? in round one would be a bloodbath. Because yeah, the Blazers that, can't that would... go out in the first round again, and the Rockets are... I think they would if they played the Rockets in round one, and that would be brutal.
0: It would. Are we... I feel like we're forgetting a team in the West.
1: I don't think are so. Are we forgetting a team in the West? Are we not? No, I don't think so. Um...
0: No, no. Um, cause yeah, so it's Warriors, Nuggets, Blazers, Rockets, Jazz, Buds, Clippers. Those are the top eight right now. Mm. Kings nine, Lakers 10. Um, I don't know. The, the middle of the West is going to be fascinating. Cause I do think like the Nuggets, I love the Nuggets. I like Jokic is legit. I think he's my favorite player right now. Like I'm very confident in saying that. I just love that dude. Everything about him. He's absolutely incredible. Um, like they're just so young and inexperienced, and I think generally in the past, like it does take teams a couple run, a couple runs in the playoffs to kind of get acclimated to the, like playoff basketball. Like it's such a cliche, but I do think there's some truth to that. So like I, uh, I'm a little hesitant to buy into the chances of making it to like the Western Conference Finals. Um, but even then, like I, I worry about the Thunder three point shooting. Like that that's going to matter a lot in the playoffs. And Jeremy Grant's having a great year. I still don't know if I completely trust him in those situations and things like that. Um, and like you were talking about with Chris Paul, like that Rockets team next to Harden, they definitely need someone else who can score. Um, it might not matter so much in the first round, but it's going to matter a hell of a lot in the second, third, and in the NBA Finals if they make it there. Um, and like you were saying about the hamstring injury, like for a guy who is six foot, you know, a point guard who's six foot tall, who um, relies on, on quickness, being able to beat guys off the dribble, um, and things like that, like that, that's a very tough injury to kind of deal with and come back from. Um, so they really like that. I think he's going to be fascinating to watch for the next couple of months because if he can kind of be that player that he was last year, I don't know if they're quite at the stage where the the biggest threat to the Warriors. Um, but that's that's a very similar team to the one that pushed in seven games last year.
1: Yeah, it just doesn't feel like they're a year They had to call Jeff Bezedlick back, and they're defense is still I think like twenty. What is it let me pull it up their defensive rating yeah 25th last year they were top 10 and I think that's the biggest difference their offense is second their offense is fine it's it's not that and getting Capella back will help but like I just don't think they have the the juice like if they were able to flip Eric Gordon into something interesting on the wing like they'd bet on James Ennis and that didn't work um maybe the buyout market is the final solution there but I I don't know. Like it feels like sometimes you miss on a lot of these fringe guys. But last year, Mori hit on all of them. This year, he did Marquise, Chris, Michael Carter Williams, Brandon Knight, like all these different dudes. And they did none of these guys are hitting, and that matters. Um, Austin Rivers, I guess, is hitting. Even though I feel like people are talking him like up as like a better player in that group than he actually is. Like if you, I, I don't understand. Like maybe I'm missing something, with Austin Rivers. But that team is.
0: I think he just. I think he just generally looked like they were so desperate to have someone else who could play defense and create something off the dribble and they got him that I think like it looked like you know like, like they just needed that so much, and he provided some of that that it kind of translates into him probably looking better than he actually is. I think
1: that's what I, I think, think people also just don't realize how important Clint Capella is to that team. like his yeah, so, I just looked, pulled it up, his O rating, 131 <laughs> points per 100 possessions. That's the best in the team by far. Like he's I mean, we just so good with James Harden in that group. Not having him, Kenneth Faried has been a fun little story. But like Clint Capella might be the the unsung hero motor of that group.
0: Yeah, I wrote something not to not to the guy, but I wrote something for Time. I think the no, time be that guy, that Scott. Like... You're a great
1: NBA writer. You need to be pushing <laughs> this stuff at all costs, man.
0: I appreciate it. Um, but I wrote something about how he's like he's he turned into like this perfect center for. Um, James Harden and Chris Paul, because even though you know we talk a lot about big guys nowadays being able to step out and shoot threes, like he, he doesn't do he doesn't even take a shot outside basically outside of the restricted area. But what he does do well fits in so perfectly with James Harden because he sets screen. he rolls for the basket, he doesn't want to post he doesn't ask for post up post ups and things like that. Um, he can play above the rim. He's a great defender when he's when he's engaged and when he's fully healthy. Um, he's one of the red big seven footers who can switch onto guys pretty comfortably until that last year. Um, a lot in the regular season, some of the postseason, wasn't quite as effective against the Warriors, but you he, know he's better at that than most players um, His position there like that. Like, being able to put that alongside Harden, who is so dominant with the ball, same with Chris Paul, like, that's just so valuable. Um, and he kind of just does tie everything together when he's on the court.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It feels like a—we'll see what happens to James Harden, especially in the playoffs, with just the amount of— Burden he has had to take on. I I don't know. It should be an interesting offseason. It just doesn't feel like their year. Sometimes you just it's not your year. It feels like the Nuggets' year. So if I had to rank like teams I'm most confident in come playoff time, it's one Nuggets, two OKC, three Houston. Um, but OKC does scare me a little bit. They when there's when their rotation shorten come playoff time, they're going to be playing only above average guys. Like getting Markeef is huge. Like yeah, everybody that they're going to be playing is going to be a good basketball player and, and that matters and the nuggets have that to an extreme extent like their depth is insane but the one thing you worry about is they haven't been here before like it's really hard to go from not being a playoff team a year ago to making the western conference finals that's my biggest hesitation with this group is that's a huge jump especially in the west
0: it is and i think um jamal mar is great he's had a great season but like they don't the nuggets don't have like a number a reliable number two star next to Jokic. And I do think Jamal is capable of getting to that point. Um, but that's just gonna be that's just gonna be such a heavy burden on Jokic in the playoffs. And by the way, like if he goes against like a Lamarck soldier in the first round or a Gobert in the first round, like that's not, that's still not easy matchups for him. Um, so I I wanna believe in them. I think they're a fantastic team. I think they have a really bright future. Like they are so deep you're talking about Morris, um Beasley has been playing out of his mind lately. Um, Gary Harris is a great player when he's healthy. Like, this team is loaded. And he's not been
1: healthy. He's played 27 games. Will Barton's played in 13 or whatever. Like, these guys have missed a lot of time, and they just, the Nuggets haven't missed a beat.
0: Yeah, and that's why I think, like, I, I do think Jokic is, like, a legit MVP candidate, three or four, um three or four candidates this season because of like how well he's playing individually. But also if you look at this team, the amount of injuries they've had and how he's been able to elevate them to this level um, and keep them at the number one, number two seed the entire season in the Western conference, which everyone knows is just loaded with teams. Like it's absolutely incredible what he's doing. Um, I just, it is just so tough for young teams that haven't been in this position before. Um, to make the playoff runs. Maybe they'll do it. Like, maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe they'll do it. I'm just a little bit more hesitant about them than I am with other teams.
1: I would feel a lot better if Gary Harris and Will Barton were healthy. And I'd feel better if Isaiah yeah, Thomas too. was not the backup point guard now. Because uh, early returns, not great. I think he is yet. Yeah, so they're a rating in 20... Uh, what is this, minutes? He's, oh, he's only played in 13. So never mind. I'm going to throw that out. I feel like he played in more... Maybe he was only the one. Yeah, play,
0: he only played one game before the break, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I thought it was more than that. I thought it was three, but I guess it was one. Um, never mind. We'll scrap that from the record. We'll wait and see. But Monte Morris. Um, third in minutes this season. Like they're number two with Monte Morris, he, Malik Beasley, really and Juancho in, in their top five. Say it again.
0: He's really third in his play. He is third.
1: That's crazy. I didn't know that. And their offensive rating hundred and twenty six when he's on the floor. Defensive rating one hundred twelve. So plus fourteen. Second best yeah. in the team I mean, behind Jokic.
0: I mean, he's, he's easily one of the best backup point guards in the NBA, right?
1: Right. And I just can't wait for him to get DMPCDs in the playoffs for, in favor of Isaiah Thomas. Oof.
0: That's I, I happening, know, by I, the I, way. I, think, I, I don't know if it is. I, like, I, think, I think they're a smart team. Uh, he's only on a minimum contract for one year. Um, I think they're going to give him an opportunity down the stretch. But like, I don't, if it's not working, like, I don't think they're going to force it. Because they've had such a good thing all season long um, with Morris and everything. They're like, I, I, just, I, I don't think they'll force it. I, I really don't. I could be okay. wrong. I, I just don't think they will.
1: I think team coaches do this in the playoffs. I think they, think, they overthink it. Where they're like, well, this guy's just a good regular season guy. Like, he can't do it come playoff time. I, I really do think a lot of coaches think like that. That They, just, they don't want to trust 23-year-old Monte Morris. They want to trust 29-year-old Isaiah Thomas.
0: Maybe I, I don't know, man. Like, I, he's just coming back from such. I mean, have we ever seen something like this before? Like the the, the hip injuries that he dealt with at his size and everything like that. Um, I want. I, I would love to see him come back and be the player, not the player he was before. Because I don't think he's ever going to be that player again. Um, but be like a, a meaningful contributor um, to a team like the Nuggets, which, by the way, I do think like he does provide something for them um, because even though he's five foot ten or whatever. Um he he can kind of play next to Morris in the backcourt. Wait, is he five ten?
1: You think he's full of that? Yes. Is he five ten? Really? Yeah. Okay. Continue with your point. Okay, so he's listed as five nine. So if he's listed as five nine, I think he's five eight, okay. five seven.
0: You beat me to that. I was I was just about to check that. To make <laughs> sure I wasn't absolutely insane. Um yeah five five nine. Okay. Five nine. Like he. I don't know. I, I do think he can provide something. The problem is that this team is so deep. Even in the back hole, like Beasley is fantastic. Um, and you probably, you, you probably don't, unless Isaiah Thomas can prove himself to be you know, 80% of the guy he used to be able to be, you probably don't even want to play over like Malik Beasley right now. Um,
1: you don't, gonna, Isaiah don't Thomas know, shouldn't man. be?
0: It's going to be tough.
1: He shouldn't be on the Denver Nuggets. That's where he should not be. Is it too late to cut him? Can we do that before it gets too bad and he starts disrupting the Monte Morris experience? But that's what
0: I'm saying. Like, I, I don't like they don't have a big commitment to him to the point where, like, I think he has more to prove to them than they have to prove to him. You know what I mean? Like, it's on him right now. Like, they've had such a good thing going all season long that it's on him to prove that he can actually fit in here and provide something that they haven't had yet. Um, so, like, he's almost going to be on his best behavior because he has to be.
1: Well, it's not even about best like, behavior, it it's just him being bad at it, basketball. Like, I'm just not sure he's good anymore. I Injuries matter, and, like, I just don't think there's a chance he's better than Monte Morris this year. You know where Isaiah Thomas should be? Orlando. That's where he should be. Like, Orlando should be forced to play a pack court rotation of Isaiah Thomas and Markel Fultz for the next five years. For what they've made us watch with Shelvin Mack a year ago, DJ Augustine this year, that is their... That is their thing to make them interesting in a league pass favorite. Like their point guard rotation, I love DJ Augustine as a backup point guard, and he's actually been really good offensively with that group this year. Um, but that's that's what you do. Like Isaiah Thomas should be starting for Orlando and then Markel Fultz should be his backup, and that's all the point guard minutes for them for the next five years.
0: I will say that I did I when the I when the Nuggets signed Isaiah Thomas, like I, I did like that signing. It does get more complicated now that Monty Morris is playing well. Like, it it just does. There's just not as much room for him in the backcourt and everything like that. And Isaiah um, Thomas
1: signed with them for an opportunity. Like, I don't think he's going to be okay with getting the MP CDs in the playoffs in favor of Monte Morris. I don't see his personality succumbing to that very well. I I just don't. But he's going to have to.
0: That's the thing. Like I, like, I I don't know. I mean, it's, it's difficult right? to me. Like, it's very clear that like. To you and I, based on this conversation, everything like Monte Morris is a backup point guard on the team, and like you think that he'd be able to see that as well, and then he's going to have to find a way to fit in around him and the team and everything like that. That's what I would hope would happen, but you never know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, is that your final prediction? Do you, so, are we going Nuggets Warriors in the Western Conference Finals?
0: <sighs> I don't know if I can put them in the Western Conference Finals.
1: Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to be a coward here. I, I can't believe I'm doing this. I hate that I'm doing this, but I love Paul George, so I don't hate it that much. I think we're getting Thunder Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. I think the Thunder are going to catch the Nuggets and get the two seed.
0: I I think it's. I don't even know. Yeah, how would that work? I'm I'm terrible at this stuff when it comes to playoff seeding and who's going to be in the second round or third round. Um, so I'm just going to say I I do I do think it'll be Warriors Thunder. That's kind of where I'm leaning right now.
1: The Thunder are only two games back of the Nuggets in the for the two seed.
0: That's no, that's that's a smaller gap than I thought it was. Yeah,
1: and I think they want that. And I think they would rather have that. So that's where I'm going to go. I think we're getting Raptors. I think we're getting Raptors Bucks no matter what in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I also think we're getting Warriors in the West. Warriors Thunder, and then we're getting the Raptors being the Warriors in the finals.
0: You said the the Warriors beating the Celtics in the finals. You said that's Celtics not what make I said at lead. all. That's that's not I what the, I said. The, oh, I must have said wrong. Sorry. No, no.
1: The Celtics are getting eliminated in round two, so that would be very difficult for them to make the NBA Finals.
0: They're going to get knocked out of round two when they yes. beat the Sixers in the first round get to the Pacers in the second round.
1: Okay. Okay. The Pacers are interesting because like they've been okay without the depot now like they had that awful skid; they like lost five straight after he went down. But now they they're like seven and three in their last ten. I want to say. Yeah. Um, they Something got like Wesley that. Matthews, so they'll be okay. But. Yeah, they're the number three seed, so I guess it depends. I'm, I'm betting on them just not being the three seed. I think they're going to slide. I think that it's not sustainable. But imagine, imagine, if, they, imagine if they get the number three
0: seed and we get Celtics sixes in the first round.
1: God. Like,
0: can, you, can you imagine what's going to happen this offseason when either of those teams lose in like five or six games? Like If the Sixers lose that, they've got so many decisions to make with Jimmy Ball and Tobias Harris. You know, then Celtics. Not to get too ahead of Celtics, here, but like the Celtics. What does Kyrie do? What do they do with Tatum and Anthony Davis and all this kind of thing? Like, I I, just, I can't wait to see how these moments play out because there's just so many different things that could happen.
1: Yeah, that's true. I just don't want to see the Pacers advance without Old Depot. I have no interest of round two Pacers. No, not at all. I, I'm good. I want the Big Four. That's what I want.
0: Man, that team that team was already fun before Old Depot went out for an injury, um, but they. I love Old Depot and that team is, is very fun. Um, more Nothing says fun like post Achilles needs, like, tear
1: uh, Wesley Matthews being added into the, into the fold. That is fun.
0: I just, it, it would, it had like, if Old Depot didn't get injured, it would have been, it would have been a race top five teams in the East and it would have
1: been I agree.
0: significantly more interesting. Um, it's just, you know, it's such a shame. These things happen, but it's a shame.
1: All right, Scott, do you have anything you want to plug before we get out of here on NBA.com Canada?
0: Um, Published a couple things today. Um, One is a new column that I'm trying out um, about things that, trends that deserve more of your attention is basically how I'm framing it. Um, And the first one I talk about, Brooke Lopez's rim protection. He's basically been one of the best rim protectors in the NBA this season, um, which is hilarious because this is a dude who, the Bucks basically designed for nothing in the off-season, and he's turned himself into a high-volume shooting 3 three-point uh, three shooting Kevin um, and an excellent rim protector on the end of court. Um, I wrote about Marcus Mark's improved three-point shooting, um, Buddy Heel developing into one of the best shooting guards in the NBA, um, and then a little something on uh, Trey Young's vision and his passing because um, Luka Doncic is deservedly so getting a lot of love um, this season. Trae Young is kind of flying on the radar, um, and I don't think he's getting quite enough attention for the season he's having. Um, I think he's going to be fantastic. I'm a big Trey Young fan. Um, so yeah, that, that, that uh, if I plug one thing, that'll be it.
1: Trey Young is... I, I can't do this. I, this podcast will go for two and a half hours if I get started on the Hawks and the Trey Young. I another will time, say, another time. I know. This is the last thing I'll say. Luka Doncic has to go 17-8 and eight for the Mavericks to make the eight seed down the stretch. Are we sure Luka Doncic can't do that?
0: Um, after the trades they made at the trade deadline and Polzingis not playing at all this season, I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. That'd be the I biggest love... fuck
1: you to Travis Schlink of all time, by the way, who said that he would have kept him if they did not get the, the lottery protected pick, um, or the, the pick from the, the Mavericks in the trade. If they don't yep. get that pick this year because Luka Doncic decided to just go otherworldly. Down the stretch with Tim Hardway and everything else, and they go seventeen and eight and get the eight seed. And the Hawks don't get a lottery pick out of that. Um, Oh my god, that's that would be, uh, be something. <laughs> which, by the way, Hawks still lost the trade, folks. Still lost the trade. It's great that Trae Young is fun. I am. I like his chemistry with John Collins. Guess what? He's still not close to Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic's his step back threes are so polished. And just how easy the game comes to him at nineteen, I, I just there's just no way. Like Luka Doncic is, is going to be a better basketball player for the next fifteen years than Trey Young.
0: There is. But the you kind of evaluate the trade on that though, right? Because like they did get a pick in return for it. But that's what I'm saying. So um, if like
1: if Doncic screws that pickup by them going otherworldly down the stretch and them sneaking into that eight spot with Rick Carlisle forcing that team to win games, I, oh my god.
0: It's it's not gonna happen though. It's not gonna
1: happen. Okay. I mean just don't be surprised if like we're five games out of the regular season being over and the Mavericks being like two games out of the eight seed. I'll just go ahead and say that. They're twelfth in defensive rating, nineteenth in offensive rating. Rick Carlisle loves winning games.
0: Here's the thing, how many how many if if they play like the rest of their games at home, there's a chance that they do it, but if half their games are on the road, there's absolutely no chance.
1: They're actually. Gonna, I think they're a really good home team, is what I, I feel like. Oh, yeah, they're saw. incredible!
0: They're twenty, they twenty-nine at home, but six and twenty-two on the road. All
1: right. Six and I mean, they got the Nuggets right. I don't. I want to add Oof. this up right now, but I can't. Um, it looks like there's more away games than home games, from what I can. The tell Bulls, across.
0: the Bulls have a better road record than the Mavs do this season. Mm. It's incredible. Can um, I, hey, I'd love to be wrong. It'd be incredible if Luca does this. I don't think it is gonna happen. Um and while Luca I, I think it's safe to say it's gonna be the better player, I still think it's too early to evaluate that trade.
1: Okay. But we'll see.
0: Yeah. These things have a way of playing out.
1: God, I hope Luca makes the playoffs. And Schlink explained that one. I I'm just so ready. <laughs> I'm so ready.
0: Yeah. I don't think so. I after the after the trade deadline, the moves they made, I don't think it's gonna happen. But well, we'll see man we'll see. we'll
1: see and we'll see the French guy that they're going to draft at the number 10 spot who Jonathan Gavoni uh, released today on ESPN.com that is uh, who they're going to get with that pick it looks like if that if the draft was today and he mocked them it would be a, a French guy so well interesting <sighs> alright um, he could be PopSci 2.0 um, who knows sti- there you go might be two years away from being two years away there's a reference PopSci you never know what you're going to get th- at the end of this podcast um, there you go yeah Scott Thank you so much. It was great to have you back in the pod. Let's not make it another six months before you return.
0: I know, man. It's been too long. I appreciate you uh, always for the invite. Thanks for having me on. It's always fun. I appreciate it.
1: And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Uh, I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second leave lead the show, a five-star rating, and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, Remember, you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, Be sure to check out chasethomaspodcast.com, where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also, follow me on Twitter at thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chasethomaswriter. Uh, Thank you for your support, and we'll be back... Another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.